listening to a 9to5.cc podcast. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the 9to5 Entertainment System. If you hear uh, Japanese in the background, it's because my wife is watching Sailor Moon with my dog in the original Japanese with subtitles because she wants the dog to experience it in its original Japanese. That's the life that I live. If you love 9ES, and I know you do because you're listening to this show, I really want you to go to patreon.com slash 9to5cc and subscribe to the I love 90s level because we love you on uh, the bonus episode of Garbage Time, which is what you would get if you subscribe to the I love 90s level. You will get access to us looking at the Rolling Stone set list, some Dragon Mountain and Dungeons and Dragons talk, and some riddles from the Riddler. Uh, but on this, the main episode, uh, Elon Musk is X, and he's going to give it to you. Uh, Scott was at a wedding. Uh, there's the actor strike, Evil Dead Rise. We talk about The Witcher, and I saw the Foo Fighters. It's the best. Sit back, relax, enjoy the show. It's the best day of the week, which is to say, the day that you listen to 90s. Bye. You don't remember Harvey Birdman? Come on, guys. No, I'm no, I'm just, just no. I'm, I wasn't questioning. I was saying, I was saying, not what to your reference, which was very timely and uh-huh. cool. <laughs> <laughs> I really want, I, I want Elon's face like photoshopped onto X with like the big desk in front of him. Honestly, I think it would fit this whole situation kind of. Yeah, it, it's, it's like a the change. Really. The change no one was asking for. I mean, dude loves his exes. Think about it, right? SpaceX, SpaceX and then yeah. Tesla doesn't have. Mm, Is there a he Tesla tried, X? He he tried to rename PayPal like XPay. X, he sure did. did. XPay. Is that because he likes the X Men a lot, right? Because that was the like the X Factor was the X Men. They had something extra. You know, like that was that was why they called the X Men. I'm into it. Extra power. I'm yeah. I'm into it. More chaos in the digital space. What is so weird about this rebranding is that I'm I feel that he was probably among among them, but was that like everybody mercilessly like mocked and still do like the Facebook to be like we're not Facebook anymore we're Meta and everyone's like okay Facebook, mm-hmm. like and, and that was like you know he's like you know what Twitter's Twitter's in the hole time for Twitter to become X. No, like, you know what my favorite part of this is? That that know. new logo he chose is a Unicode font that is just the letter X and is impossible to trademark. It's it's a public, well-known font. And he was just like, that's the X. And you're like, well, that's not your X, so... That's just an X. <laughs> but, yep. but then, hold on, hold on. But do you, do you think that's not on purpose? Is it possible he doesn't want to have it trademarked? And, like, he's trying to make the statement that this is going to be some kind of open platform something? Because he's – the thing he put out said, I'm, I'm going to open this into, like, all kinds of other spaces, like banking and and and, and trading, all kinds of – I don't know what the, what the whole story is. But he's supposed to be trying to do lots more than just uh, instant messaging with Twitter and short messages. The real question is – I mean, and he has the money. And I, I have been up at the, the cottage, so it's kind of limited access to the internet. But, like, has he paid for X going to give it to you? Like, because if he hasn't, what a waste. 
Like, if if you unveil that you're changing the name of Twitter to X and you don't play X, gonna give it to you? Yeah. <laughs> like, when you have unlimited resources, what are you even doing with your billions? <clears throat> so, like, who, who, Yeah, come on, bring it. <laughs> DMX. Like, I feel that, that that's just estate money think, now, right? So that's, I'm sure, for, that's for sure for sale. What's that? I think he passed recently, if I recall correctly. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So it's just that's what I'm saying. So it's just the state money. So it's like almost certainly for sale. Like mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. there's there's a price that an estate will definitely sell material for. I mean, it was DMX. He he had one too. Oh, yeah, <laughs> also also true. But like you you never know when there's like like the whole um, like the Neil Young thing, where mm-hmm. he he's like refused all kinds of offers from the Trump campaign and just is like no. Do not play Rockin' in the free world. I will continue to sue you and counter-sue you. Stop playing Rockin' in the free world when you come out. I did not give you permission to that song. Like, And he's also notoriously, uh, like, fights for his catalog in general. Mm-hmm. And, like, Neil Young ain't about to sign off on his music playing before a Donald Trump rally. He does not need that money. <clears throat> and apparently has has refused all kinds of offers to do it. And he's like, nope, I don't ever want my song to be associated with Donald Trump. So I mean, Isn't I can he imagine one of the ones who also pulled his music off of Spotify. It was like him yep. and um, yep. what's yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then but then he also went ahead and unlike everybody who sort of moved over to title, there's mm-hmm. like an absurd amount of Neil Young music that you could just get full lossless that he just gives for free because he's like whatever. <laughs> he's like it's not. He's like it's not right that. On. Exactly. He's like, it's not that I don't want you to listen to it. I just think that the Spotify model is so, like, grotesque and disgusting that I don't want you to listen to it on Spotify because I don't want them making money off of my music. Like, yeah. You know, my my partner's brothers are uh, um, both in the music biz. And they have, and one of them keeps a title account. And he's like, it's, it absolutely does have the best quality music, and you, mm-hmm. and it absolutely does pay more to the artists. Yep. You know, I feel bad being on Spotify. I don't feel bad being on Title. Mm-hmm. Good argument, it's, I guess. Yeah. It's weird. Anyway, we're on Spotify. Uh, yeah. Are we? <laughs> yeah, we are. Mm-hmm. The podcasts get no money from any of the plat- serving platforms because we host right. the file and then we just point the platforms at an RSS feed, which is the absolute worst. Yeah. Because if you're listening to us on Spotify, presumably there's ads jammed in between us and your other podcasts unless you're paying ad-free. So we don't get Mm. a dime. We don't get a dime from that because we're hosting it ourselves. Hooray! Wait, what? We pay for it to host it ourselves and then we also don't get ad revenue? We shouldn't go the other way? I know. Like if they host it for us, they get to put ads in? That's what I would think. But it's just that like they they, – Spotify won't jam an ad in the middle of a 90S. But presumably if you have like us queued up from one – like one podcast oh, to the other. If you're on the free, they'll they'll jam an ad in between your two your two right. podcasts that are you're listening to. And but the thing is, whoa, it's a whoa, whoa. Podcast. hang on a second. Whoa, what's what happening? You, what do you mean two podcasts? Or you're binging? Why are you listening to other podcasts? How much time? Because you're listening to like 90s two eighty one, and then you catching up to 90s two eighty. Okay, you know you okay. haven't listened in a little while. God. You can also listen to Go Plug Yourself or a myriad of Oshiaga podcasts that I've recorded. We have some Just for Labs specials up. I haven't been on Go Plug Yourself in a while. Why would you want to listen to that? I I mean, I don't know. I'll put you in the game. What do you got? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I was at a wedding wedding yesterday and uh, one of... And you were like, uh, yeah, I'm the funniest guy at the table. And you loved it. Uh, (laughs) 
it's true. Um, <laughs> no, uh, one of one of the one of the guests there, the, the one of the in laws that I know, she she's a she works in casting out in, in LA and she's like, yeah, my company is thinking about starting a podcast. We have a budget of like 60,000 to do 12 episodes. And I was like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> 12 episodes. And she's like, yeah, we're getting bids that are above that. So I'm not sure what we're going to do. I was like, you could give us $60,000. Hire, we'll, hire me. Well, we can do that. Like what? are you getting for what, 60 what grand? Like, yeah, what are you getting for $60,000? I, I can't, I can't imagine what for, for 12 episodes, right? So you're getting an editor. That's fine. Yeah. 100%. You're getting a producer, someone, to, someone to master it. Like who, who's commanding that much money for it? For 12 like episodes, wild. like an hour each, like even, even just, yeah, like yeah. that's a lot. That's a lot. That's a, that's a crazy, <laughs> crazy big amount oh, yeah like, my segue was from spotify to the actor strike that was where i was going for we talked about getting paid pennies on the dollar mm-hmm. uh, actor strike have you seen some of the, yeah, you, the, can go from, the new you can Black? go from casting director to actor strike sure yeah, works right there have you seen some of the uh the the orange is the new black cast who like posted their their netflix residuals no Ooh, no yeah, it's trash. Like, like one of the one of the featured, like she was in forty something episodes. So not a main star, but certainly a forty fucking episodes. Forty something episodes. You're a featured yeah. person. She has lots of dialogue. She's like integral to certain plot lines. Yeah, you're you're a character in the thing, and not a background actor. Like yeah. she had storylines, story mm-hmm. arcs, whatever. So first of all, she was like, I got paid nine hundred dollars a day, and you're like, that sounds okay. But you're like, but here's the thing is I don't get called in for five days a week of work, right? Because I'm not the star of the show. She's like, I would work usually mm-hmm. like five or six days uh, a month, which is, is not saying it's bad money, but you're like, that suddenly just becomes kind of regular person money at this point when you're on, this is still into like season three or four, Orange of the New Black is already a massive hit. And then she's like, and then she sent her Q1 residuals and she's like, and traditionally, you know, your residuals, like if the show's a hit, that's where you make your real money. But because the Netflix streaming model is, like, so broken, uh, she posted her, like, Q1 residuals. Or something ridiculous, like $23 or whatever. And you're like, yeah, that's, that's, that is not a lot. And, Orange, and she's like, you have, like, Orange Isn't and the New Black kind is... of a flagship show? Isn't yeah, like exactly. That's it. And, like, they're like we have the data because all that data yeah. is kind of, like, people publish. They're like, she's like, it's still being streamed millions of hours of stuff. And I'm getting, like, 20 bucks. Uh, what's his name? James Gunn's Crazy. brother. The other gun. Mm. Not the badass Billy gun. Rain gun? But, no. Anyway, the one from Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Um, he was talking that he's like some of... Because he, he was a, a featured actor on Gilmore Girls for a while. And he was like, to this day, he's like, there are still... Gilmore Girls is still syndicated on basic cable. And, she's, yep. and he's like, my, my basic cable residual checks are more than the Netflix checks from Gilmore Girls and he's like and those are old old deals old syndication deals and he's like and not, neither one of them are particularly good he's like I'm not saying I was I deserve yeah. to have a, a ton of money but he's like more people watch it on Netflix than are tuning in at three o'clock in the afternoon to watch it on basic cable like he's like if you're going out and watching Gilmore Girls on Netflix it's because you want to if it's on basic cable it's just kind of on 
You know, so, so like, I, I knew this was going on. I didn't really, yeah. I don't really know too many of the specifics. I'm curious if you have this detail. But, like, so yeah. do they feel like the problem here is that the the it's like their agents are not negotiating or their contracts are not properly accounting for the revenue, or do they feel like it's just like an out and out scam, or like what's the? Well, so I mean, and this is this is pretty much why why the strike has occurred is because so one of them they are uh, there's two two major things. One is they want to renegotiate their streaming deals because. Again, they they lock this stuff up for like ten plus years at a go. Uh, so they were like, we absolutely got hosed on the streaming contract last time. So now they're like, we would like to revisit that. So you're like, it's not necessarily like Net- Netflix did what Netflix was going to do within the confines of the previous after contract, right? Like they're they're they thought that streaming was not going to be what it is, and now it's now it's way bigger. So they're like, we need to revisit streaming. Is it like step one? Step two is they're like, there's all kinds of craziness coming out with AI, right? Like where they're right. just saying like, oh, especially like you, they have your likeness in perpetuity. And they're like, hold the phone. What does that mean? <laughs> like, does that mean that you can just put me into shows uh, that I didn't actually act for? If I'm a background actor, I do one day of work and then they pay me for like 20. And, and yeah. there's all of these things. And again, the studios are like, let's lock it up for about 10 years. And they were like, yo, AI changed dramatically in the last year like and you want us to like put pen to paper on some open-ended bullshit for the next 10 years of ai hold like let's pump the brakes on whatever we're talking about here yeah yeah exactly that's it and and there's there's literally been some of those like leaked hollywood studio memos of like oh yeah like we'll just the the new world of extras will be you come in we scan your face you walk around we pay you for a day send you home and now you're an extra in the entire feature film forever Forever, and, yeah. and exactly, and not not just this feature film. You're now like that guy in every movie. Hey, like now yeah. you're you're just build up your portfolio of people, and you can just populate whatever extras you want and dress them up however you want, and just you know I don't need to pay extras anymore. Just That's and again, yeah. and like they're saying, they're like everyone's like, oh, but it's not quite there. There's like Uncanny Valley and all that shit, and you're like, mm-hmm. yeah, but again, we're talking about ten years from now. Like, look at what we've done in a short period of time, and now. And even then, so and some low budget movies might not give a shit that their extras look kind of shitty. So, who cares? I mean, right. we're so close, right? There's there's so many of those TikToks out there now of like Frank Sinatra singing uh, hip hop songs. Like, yeah, the the, yeah. the voice stuff is right there. Mm-hmm. That it's not going to be that long before graphics catch yeah. up to that. Like, yeah, exactly. So close. And like and like and that's it. And they're 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 trying to do it in big budget films already, right? Like they're they're already de aging Harrison Ford and putting dead people into movies again, and like in this and that. Like Star Wars did stuff Luke with Skywalker, Carrie Fisher, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, there's there's this has happened, <laughs> you know. And like and it hasn't been great, I'll admit. But you're like that hasn't stopped them so far. It's uh yeah no it's a friggin and so yeah this was the other thing too is they were saying that like the vast the Matt Damon was talking about this that he's like obviously the vast 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 majority of members of the Actors Guild are not Hollywood superstars right mm-hmm. so the especially with COVID so COVID all of them took a hit because they're all in the individual contractors and stuff so nobody was working and then when they started working they said like oh because it's a recession because it's this. Like, your base salaries, even for all of these uh, actors, has also been reduced. So it's not even back to pre-COVID because the mm-hmm. studios are just saying they don't have enough money. So because of that, even if you are a working actor and so on and so forth, uh, like, 
I forget the exact percentage, but a large percentage of them fell off the minimum annual salary to maintain their health insurance memberships and stuff. So, like, again, they're just like, cool. I already got screwed because of COVID, and now with the new rates that I'm getting returning, I've, like, fallen below a certain income line, so I just lost my health insurance. And the studios are like, what can be done? We cannot make movies, even though there's been, like, more billion-dollar movies in the last five years than, like, there ever was. Like, the concept of a billionaire, a billion-dollar grossing movie is, like, new to the last ten years, right? Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if there's space for a, like, non-Hollywood pipeline. You know, that was like in a sense run like more like a co-op, where yeah, or a non-profit. You know, like <laughs> it sounds yeah, they do, like they do the NFL model where you're like, oh yeah, all movies you go to like, like, like if they made yeah, that's it, just sort of like scale, but like across the board, where you're like every actor gets paid this much money or whatever, and then all okay. profits what above that. The the law forced Disney to run okay, like one billion dollars a year gets divided into like, you know. 40 or 100 small projects. Yeah, or something. Yeah, exactly. You know, something that doesn't like that. happen anymore. It was like they used to have Amblin or whatever. There were there were like a bunch of studios that did smaller movies kind of on the side of the big studios. What? And I feel like there's You went for Amblin? Not, Amblin Entertainment. Not like Orion yeah. or Canon or... I don't know. I'm just thinking of an old one that disappeared. Miramax. Wait, no, not that one. No. <laughs> that one. That one. That one's, yeah. that one's gone for good. In both, <laughs> both meanings of that. For good. Yep. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's weird. It's like, it's kind of, uh, I, I do have my, like my ultra callous, like shitty take though, is I was like with the writer strike talking about AI and the actor strike talking about AI and, and likeness and, and all this and that. And I was just sort of like, Oh, you thought that because you were in a creative industry, robots couldn't replace you. <laughs> like, I think anyone that's worked like IT or IT adjacent has like, Oh yeah, they've been coming for us for a long time. Like McDonald's people. Right? Like, they were saying that the average staff of a McDonald's mm-hmm. is now something like 60% of what it was. People were like, yeah, but nobody wants to work at McDonald's. But I'm like, some people do, man. And those people don't anymore. Like, there, there are certainly jobs that have been removed. Teller jobs, dude. Like, you go to the pharmacy, mm-hmm. and there's, like, one person working the cash instead of, like... And again, it's a lot of, a lot of like, admittedly low-skill labor. But when you're down on your luck and you need a low-skill job... There are less of those now because go further back, man. Yeah. You ever go to an ATM? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, go to a bank. Whole branches closed, and I just replaced it with a machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, there used to be a bank in Montreal in Alexis Neon, and now there is one machine on a wall. Mm-hmm. Like, there's not even a, a location anymore. Yeah, that's because you know they're like, oh yeah, if you just want to do withdrawal and deposits, why do I have to pay a person to do that? People, we've been replacing jobs with robots all the time. So anyway, we're going to uh, see how this all pans out. And then I think we're going to have just, you know, AI Tom Cruise starring in our next podcast, mm-hmm. I think. As and all every- three of us. All three of us will be replaced <laughs> by AI Tom Cruise. As he's going to talk to himself. That's right. But like with uh, the character of each of us, but like in the voice of Tom Cruise. Oh, uh, man. Did you see that weird thing about Mission Impossible? That like uh, they're making Mission Impossible... Bombing? The new I don't one? Know if it's bombing. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's I mean, the, what, what well is a bomb anymore? There's so many things that are declared bombing, and then you find out they're making, like, they break even. Like, breaking even is now called, like, a bomb in most, yeah. in a lot of these big movies. But, uh, yeah, no, someone did the, the, 
the line, like, they've been making these Mission Impossible movies for, like, 25 years. I feel like I want to say the first one came out in high school. Mm -hmm. And uh, Ethan... Ethan Hunt. Ethan Hunt's girlfriends have stayed the same age. (laughs) Like, the age of the actress playing Ethan Hunt's romantic interests. Uh I was like, (laughs) ah, Gross. Oh, man. Did you see Simon Pegg talking about AI and artistic merit? Yeah, Amblin was a weird one. That was off. I was misremembering the logo. Yeah. And I'm trying to uh, look up which one I was actually thinking of. Simon Pegg. Uh, Simon Pegg. Little Huey. Yeah, right. Like <laughs> Shaun of the Dead. You know, he, he he's a guy who does it for himself, right? Yeah. For the most part, he he took some Star Trek money and he gets that Mission Impossible money. So I feel that he's he's uh-huh. that weird roundabout like Ben Affleck, Matt Damon thing of just sort of like you're like yeah, this is a guy's like beloved indie actor Simon Pegg, and he's like except not always, ka-ching. Yeah, that's it. Here's here's his quote: "The only thing AI can do is create mediocrity because all it can do is aggregate what's out there. So yes, it can write a script, but it'll be rubbish. It has no childhood trauma, no." never had a boyfriend or girlfriend, never had its heart broken. It's never going to be anything that would give it the impetus to create art. To rely, rely on it would be to just make everything mediocre, and we just have to fight mediocrity in order to create great art. He's been in five Mission Impossible movies. Hmm. If you can tell me what the difference is between MI3, Ghost Protocol, Rogue Nation, and Fallout is, not including Dead Reckoning, the new one, I would love to hear this. Like I know we've seen all or most of them. No. Nope. I've seen all of them. Not this guy. <laughs> Can you, do you have any idea? Like, he was in all three J.J. Abrams Star Trek movies. Was yeah, there... he was Scotty. Yeah. Was, was, was he good in any of them? Sure. He, but he, but he, did, he didn't do anything. He had two lines. He said, he said my Scotty line, and that's mm-hmm. it. And he's out. Okay, here's, here's the kicker. He's done five Ice Age projects. Yeah, man. Cool. Yeah, can, can you figure out what any of those movies after the first one is about. I don't even know what the first one's about. It, it's about buying know. him houses and stuff, probably. It's on, so when he's saying, like, oh, boy, we really have to fight mediocrity, like, I don't think I want Simon Pegg out there on the front lines. But you know, I, 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 I was going to say, oh, or, or he's read AI scripts and they're somehow worse than Ice Age. Ice Age is okay. Ice Age 5, yeah. Yeah, but, okay, okay. Like, five. Those are fair criticisms, but I think that's him taking a paycheck. It's like Red Hot Chili Peppers, his last four albums. That's that's you, fine. You, I'm okay with he, him taking a paycheck. Has, right, Shaun of the Dead was freaking good. Freaking, um, I'm not. I'm not complaining Tom about him Husband. taking a paycheck. I'm not complaining about him saying, "Boy, oh boy, artists have to fight mediocrity." Hmm. Yeah, so you're saying you should turn down bad roles. No, you should his... take. You should take the money. You should make your money. You should be. In business, but you can't make that quote after. You can't. You just can't come out there and say, "Yeah, I did five Mission Impossible movies." If can, God, I can't name a bad guy from any single one of them. Like Are you ready one billion. I bet you that song plays during right? all all of them. <laughs> that's the only character I can name. I actually no Ethan Hunt, right? That's yeah, exactly. I, I said that's Ethan it. something, and Scott jumped in with Ethan Hunt. I was going to say Ethan Hawke, and I was like, that's not right. That's a real person. <laughs> all, all I know from from those like what seven movies now is that Tom Cruise does all his own stunts, and because he does all his own stunts, and he decided that halfway through the second Mission Impossible movie, Doug Ray Scott had to come back to do more scenes with him and give up on the role of Wolverine in the X-Men movie. 
That's all I know. That's all I know. Poor Doug Ray Scott. He was cast as Wolverine. He was ready to go. And then Tom was like, no, I need to do a motorcycle fight again. You have to come back. You don't get Hugh to Jackman be Wolverine. Hugh Jackman's like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> Have I you mean, seen the, 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 the set photographs? I have. He's in a big, dumb yellow suit. I'm so happy. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> it's like Wolverine in a big, stupid yellow suit. Amazing. That's like, perfect. How, how do you not? Apparently that. Uh, did you hear about the how the writer's strike was potentially ruining Deadpool 3? I did not. So uh, when you have someone ad-libbing on mm-hmm. set, Someone needs to turn that ad lib into the script if that's what you go with. That right. has to be a member of the Writers Guild of America. So Ryan Reynolds just ad libs nonstop, and they're like, mm. "Nope, it's got to be the line that exists right now on the page. You cannot change the line or manipulate the line in any way, shape, or form." So he's like, "This fucking sucks." I don't. And now, thankfully, I guess they're they're hitting the brakes on the full production. But I was like, "Wow, they're real, probably really lucky." At least if you like the Deadpool movies, that the actors are now on strike. Because I was like, if like seventy percent of the film is ad lib dialogue, like because he's just like playing with the scene, right? Like, mm-hmm. but you're like, nope, the dialogue changed. It has to be a guild member who like now writes that line of dialogue into the Hollywood script, and that guild member like didn't exist while they were trying to shoot Deadpool and apparently Ryan Reynolds was like losing his mind. So now he's on strike too. So it's okay. (laughs) Everything is okay. Oh wait, while we're, Oh wait, I have my phone. No, where is it? I I do recall reading something about someone hearing a quote from the, um, the other side saying that they can outlast the actors and they can outlast the, you know, the script writers easily. Like, all those people are going to lose their houses in a couple of weeks. That was James Gunn who clapped back at it. Mm-hmm. He what was furious. Oh, I would have to look up the quote, but he, I yeah. saw an interview of him, and he was like, the, like, heartless nature of that comment is going to be brought up at every negotiation. Mm-hmm. It's it's unbelievable. It's despicable. Like, he was furious out on the picket line. Yeah, that that one's not going to go away. Good. No, he was, he was mad. This reminded me of the um, that talked about the actors made me re- the actors uh, reminded me about the fact that uh, Barbie came out as as you might know you might have, may have heard the, the yeah. onslaught of uh, of everybody going to see it. So hang on. So someone, one of my friends, was like. I know nothing about the Barbie movie, and so I'm reading The New Yorker's admittedly rave review, and I honestly can't understand large chunks of what this article even says. I have to reread and reread it like an undergraduate philosophy class assignment reading, which I completed. (laughs) Or worse, a shitty paper. The film sounds very, very impressive, but here's an excerpt. So, Barbie is about, this is from The New Yorker, you guys. And this is, I I don't know, and I kind of want to see Barbie. I'm interested to see what Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach, like, pull off with taking the big candy popcorn thing. Okay. It's Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach who did Barbie, right? Like, doesn't that mishmash at least seem you're like, I'm interested to see this. What what comes out of these people? Squid and the Whale, all that stuff, you know? Like, there's just... Anyway, okay. so check this out, though. This is the New Yorker's take. 
Barbie is about the intellectual demand and emotional urgency of making pre-existing subjects one's own, and it advocates for imaginative, imaginative infidelity, the radical off-label manipulation of existing intellectual property. Moreover, it presents such acts of reinterpreting familiar subjects as a crucial form of self-analysis, a way to explore one's own self-image and to confront prejudices and inequities built into prevailing top-down interpretations of them. Barber, Barbie, in other words, is a film of the politics of culture and, by extension, of the need to be creative. Cool. Read that again. Every time they say Barbie, every time they say Barbie, read it again, but replace that with Transformers. <laughs> <laughs> Just read that first sentence Let's again. Let's hear it. Transformers is about the intellectual demand and emotional urgency of making pre-existing subjects one's own, and it advocates for imaginative infidelity, the radical off-label manipulation of existing intellectual property. Moreover, it still fits. It still fits. It's, you know, it's not odd. But, like, what word salad freaking hokum out of the New Yorker? I was like, who is this reviewer who's like, and send to print? I did it. I work at the New Yorker. I reviewed Barbie. I, I, th- I think they're having like a meta laugh there by trying to sound as intellectual as possible while I reviewing the movie Barbie. That's it. It's, yeah. a, it's a gag. It's like it's, it's a bit. <laughs> yeah. The New Yorker's yeah. doing a bit. They do bits, huh? Do they? Maybe. Yeah, anyway, they do. They're, they're cartoons in the magazine. Yeah, the, the, greatest car- the greatest cartoons of all time. We've all read a New Yorker cartoon and been like, wow. <laughs> Slam dunk from the New Yorker. <laughs> It's like, and that's why she's my wife. Whoa. Or something. <laughs> a woman looks at him angrily. <laughs> uh, what what weirdness. Yep. So I watched movies that I wanted to watch that were not reviewed by The New Yorker. <laughs> Which ones do you want to cool. hear about? So I watched, I watched Evil Dead Rise, I watched Renfield, and I watched The Blackening. Mm, Evil Dead. Scott, are you okay with that? I mean, yeah, it's the probably the blackening next because might as well get the horror movies out of the way. And even Renfield's kind of a horror film, like I guess certainly. Yeah. Okay, <clears throat> Evil Dead Rise is fantastic. Watch it. Get mm-hmm. out. Get out there and go see it. It's in the. I would say it's st- so s- does right by the series. Obviously, it has a lot more to do okay. with original Evil Dead than uh, the first one. The fact that it had, like, a... I don't even know. Wait, what does that mean? What do you mean? What do you mean, then, the first one? When you say the first one, you mean this, the first remake by Fede Alvarez? No, 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 the first Evil Dead, right? Because it was, like, like the series gets... Yeah. Evil Dead gets progressively funnier, right? Like, the first film is, like, largely yes. a straight yeah. horror film. The second one is, yeah. like, a straight horror film where Bruce Campbell starts to lean a little bit into how insane Ash is. And then Slapstick Army of Darkness insane. is, like, a full-fledged comedy. Right? Yeah. So that's what I'm saying when I say that, like, if I think of, like, the lineage of, like, Evil Dead, ignore Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness, because they're kind of going off on their own tangent. Then there was the the reboot from a couple years ago, and now this is another yeah. reboot. But at the same time, it doesn't seem to really be... It doesn't need to really be a reboot, right? It can just be Deadites pop up somewhere else. It Like, does it... Mm-hmm. like? And even, like, this one, I thought it was kind of interesting... Because, like, there's, like, the Necronomicon, and it's, like, there could be more than one. Like, it is clearly a different <laughs> Necronomicon than the one in the than the one in the woods. But you're, like, yeah, if yeah. it's this ancient Sumerian text, it could have been translated by other people. And, like, it's, yeah, it's just as evil. And here they are. Like, this doesn't necessarily say, oh, expressly, they're deadites, but 
they definitely say Dead by Dawn. <laughs> like when, Where does it take place? Uh, this is what I feel is like the coolest about it oh, is that it takes place in a city. It takes place in a in an, in an, uh, in an apartment building, like a condemned apartment building that was sort of cool. like built above uh, like a bank or something. And there's like an earthquake that like opens up the vault of the bank. And when the kids go down there, there's like a bunch of like crosses that are just like hanging up in the vault. And there's like a big old crypt. And inside the crypt is the Necronomicon. Amazing. And you're just sort of like, hey, yeah. does this make any sense? Sure doesn't. But there's the Necronomicon. Let's go. Whatever. <laughs> and you're just like... Uh, the the budget uh, the budget to we talked a little about this with Cocaine Bear where I was like man the future of the future of independent films will forever and always be horror <laughs> right like you want to make a low budget horror film uh, or like a low budget movie that actually like makes money Evil Dead Rise had a budget of less than twenty million dollars and had a box office of one hundred and forty six mm-hmm. so hey like you want to give uh, okay, okay, okay. But the problem is, for every one of those Evil Dead Rises, you're going to have, like, ten Paranormal Activity 5. Sure. But I'm just saying, but, like, you could... I'm not saying you, you aren't choosy with your money, but I'm saying that if you have, like, a horror movie director with, like, a good script and a good vision, it doesn't cost him $500 million to make these movies. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you can... You can turn these things out for a lot less. And, like, all $15 million of budget went into fake blood. Like, it is, <laughs> a, like, a wild amount of blood. The Fede Alvarez one was pretty excessive. Yeah, and this... Like raining blood. Yes, exactly. Like, so minutes. they don't necessarily yeah. do raining blood, but they get into that same quantity. Like, and, it, and it's like, some of it is, like, so perfectly telegraphed. Like, there's just, like, a... Some kind of an industrial, like, um, because they're, like, they're renovating the building because it's going to be condemned. So there's, like, it's not even, like, a wood chipper. It's, like, an industrial one that you throw, like, industrial waste. Like, like while they're leaving the car in the opening scene, like, in the, the parking garage in the basement of the building, like, it just pans over. You just see that machine. You're, like, boy, <laughs> someone's, getting, <laughs> someone's getting thrown into someone's that in about an hour. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, it's... And like, of course it, like, of course you establish that shot and of course it pays off, but it's like, it's very simple ABC, but yeah. you're still like gleefully. And then like when you're, you're like, oh man, they get down to the basement. You're like, I know exactly what's in the basement and I know what needs to happen. There's, um, a, a, what, what was it for the Shmisi? Voivod. Voivod is sure. when they flesh crafted a bunch of people together into one. Yeah, that's it. You got it. I was going to say, because I was like, Voivod no, 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 no. Voivod was like a, a Vajd. Yeah, yeah Vajd. <clears throat> yeah, one of the one of the others. I forget. What was Voivod the... was like a lord of theirs, right? Or like a wizard? Something like Maybe. that. Or Voivod was a really big Vajd? Like the, the big, like like 20 people big? It's also a metal band? Yes, it's also there a was one of those, band. There was one of those uh, flesh-crafted creatures in the new season of The Witcher. Ah. Was hmm. yeah. it fun, The Witcher? I keep trying to get into it, and I never have the patience, and I just... But something about it calls to me. Man, well, we can get into it as if Keith's done with Evil Dead. Well, not, not quite not quite done with Evil Dead. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, so the, a couple, like, it's very classic, also, Evil Dead style of, like, they're, they're basically just unstoppable. If you try to kill them, you basically just, like, slow them down a little bit. Uh, it's the, there's a completely new protagonist. Uh, and in large part, I, I remembered why, like, prior to the film coming out, people talked about, like, oh, is Bruce Campbell going to going to reprise the the role 
uh, have a cameo, have whatever. And he was like, no, dude. <laughs> He's like, those movies suck. You get covered in fake blood. It's cold. It's wet. It's in everything. It's in your ears. It's in your hair. You need to, like, redo it again the next day for the next shoot. And you're just, he's like, it sucks. He's like, it sucks and I'm old and I don't want to do it anymore. It's terrible. He's like, I did the (laughs) send-off of the character with, like, the television show. show. Wrapped on that. And he's like, I'm not interested in doing it. Someone else could take the mantle. It's fine. Like... Like just, I want you to know, I'm not in this movie at all. He's still in the movie. Characters, though, right? Technically, really. (laughs) He's so when they record back the 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 ancient record recording of uh, the reading of the Necronomicon, uh, he's one of the not even the main. He's one of the priests that you hear on the recording. So, but yeah, that's cool. Yeah, exactly. It's there. It's a teeny tiny little Easter egg, but like, it's not. It's not as Ash. It's not as anything. But yeah, so. Um, two of the deadites who are children of one of the the other deadites. So like, it's like a whole family that kind of happens. It also this might be a problem for Scott. Like it's there's there's kids. <laughs> <clears throat> Don't care for that. Oh yeah, and 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 like <laughs> like the one of there's like a very the spoilers for evil dead rise it's been out for a little while like the youngest of the children makes it but like boy does she get to go through some shit like there there's a scene where this girl looks to be like like i think she's probably older playing younger like but like appears to be like seven for purpose of the film and she's literally in an elevator that's filling with blood and almost like drowning as blood is just going up all over her. She comes out and has like the, the blood all over her face caked and all this and that while her like deadite mother character is like coming at her and trying to claw her face off. It's like you're like, Ugh. yeah, you're like, oh, man, they're not messing around. But yeah, so the two other kids kind of climb inside of the mother and make this uh, Vajd or Voivod-esque thing, multi-limb things. You see it for one split second, kind of well in frame, and it's kind of disappointing because, again, this doesn't have a big budget. But for the vast majority of this thing existing, they shoot around it so well. Like, where you just see, like, a mess of arms and teeth and, like, heads at weird angles and, like, chomping and biting. Like, and I was like, this is great. I was like, this guy understood that he doesn't actually have a way to, like, have this thing running around convincingly in the set but how did, a, how did they do it was it practical or there was yeah like... it's almost almost, almost yeah. a lot of it was practical from what like mm. from what i understand is like then there was like when you saw it kind of moving and stuff there was like one guy who was like in a suit but again you know it's like there's like the main central body and there's other limbs so as long as you're just cutting quickly around it and then like you have like some part of a body like leans forward and there's a head that's kind of like pushing through the flesh, chomping and stuff. So there's a lot of like mm. practical things where you're Layers. sort of like, oh, there's just body parts at weird angles. And as long as you're like keeping it up on the tight angle, you're like, eh, gross. And like I said, there's the one kind of wide shot that it, I think is probably like CG'd up a little bit that doesn't look great. But it's it's not bad, is my point. As I was mm-hmm. like, you know what? It's really not bad. And that was the only, I would say, moment where... I was like, okay, this this doesn't look great. Everything else, it's deadites, right? It's just people with a lot of makeup and and just guts. Oh, there's a scene where there's a the girl has like bugs in her stomach, so she's like possessed by a deadite, and there's like these bugs. She keeps like coughing like these black like bug things, and then she's sort of like she's like, I need to get the things in my tummy out, and then she starts like eating glass, 
and you just see her like as she swallows you see like shards of glass kind of like push through her esophagus as they're like kind of going down i'm sure that's not how it works but you know (laughs) it looks great visually that you see shards of glass like poking through her throat as she like swallows a plus cheese grater cheese grater is a great one cheese grater down the leg yeah oh man yeah it is it is non-stop just like the the and like but i say this but it's somehow like it's not crazy gratuitous like <laughs> like i it, don't believe but no you. but you know what i'm saying is like as a like horror movie buff like it's not one of those things where it like lingers on the shot the way uh the way saw necessarily does the way the hostile films do where you're like terrifier 2 lingering on the hard shot it's just sort of like quick like again they're taking the page of original evil dead a for budget b for like you're like oh and then it's gone you know you're not like it's not a slow scene of a cheese grater being dragged down someone's leg in like detail it's like cheese grater rip you see the rip you're like ah and then it's like to the next thing next you know so it's it's done very like very grindhouse like drive-in movie horror not like mm. not torture porn i'm gonna linger on this long shot and you're like i feel grossed out it's a lot more like punchy and fun if that makes sense anyway sure. highly highly recommend was super super happy with it i mean i guess also if it made 130 million dollars or made well made 140 something but like after it made its money back I feel that they're they're gonna pump out another one see more of those and i'm excited yeah. for it and if they kind of if they stick with the, the main actress who... And, like, it's also great. Because you're kind of, like... Since it's obviously... It's not Ash, right? You're trying to, like, pick yeah. f- figure out... Like, I went in knowing almost nothing about it. And then uh, the main character, like, gets, like, a really bad injury to her hand. And I'm just sort of like, oh, and she's the main character. Like, because you're kind of, like, wondering, like, who's going to, like, step up? <laughs> you're just sort of like... It still has to be the one-handed hero, right? And mm-hmm. totally does. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> so you're just like you're not really sure on the film's pacing it's like who's stepping up is it going to be like one of the kids the neighbor the sister like who knows who knows where it's going to go but then yeah as soon as someone gets their hand badly injured and then still needs to fight off the deadites they're clearly going to be the one and they are and it's great thumbs up for evil dead rise nice <clears throat> scott also you're i don't know if you for john but for uh for the listeners scott's <clears throat> video is frozen yeah, and and it's it's a pretty nice little pose. He has his like his hand up there, and he just looks like really, really thoughtful. But it's okay, just stick with it. We can hear you, and and okay. you have that one look on your face, just kind of being a little That's awesome, a little smarmy. Oh, no, now you you spoke too soon. Now your camera's gone. Yeah, well, I figured I'd reset it. Nope, it's back. <laughs> it's still the same freeze. <laughs> it's still the same <laughs> picture from before. Uh, uh, you were saying Uh-oh. you you wanted to <clears throat> talk about something. Gory. Oh, The Witcher. We talked about The Witcher oh. a little bit. Oh, The Voivoder, whatever the mm-hmm. one we're trying to talk yeah, about. Yeah, did you guys watch any of The Witcher? No, I watched one episode and I was like, I don't like it. <clears throat> Two episodes really? and I was like, it's kind of fun. I, I don't feel like it had its footing in those episodes, but I, I kind of like wanted to see if they would get it under them. And then I, you know, things happened and I never went back to it. But I kind of wanted to give it a shot. And I keep hearing about Henry Cavill's commitment to the role and then how they eventually fired him because he was like sticking up for the character too much. Or who yeah. knows what the fuck happened? But I mean, he, uh, he finished yeah. the season. He's just didn't didn't negotiate to come back. Yeah, yeah. 
Update. Um, Voivod is the wizard. Vajd is the flesh monster. Mm-hmm. Like the Voivod is the high high ranking member of Clan Shmisi. Right. So season one of The Witcher is very ambitiously written, where the plot lines are moving at different directions through time, and it it's not super clear. Isn't that and... also the case in the game? I feel there's all kinds of flat. Like I only played Witcher three uh, play for like maybe fifteen to twenty hours, but I felt that there were all kind of flashbacks of like you're suddenly you're playing in his past, and now he's this, and now he's that. Like mm, there's a lot I don't of really like, remember that, but I didn't lot. finish it either. Yeah. 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 Um, season two, which I really liked, was much more political and also more f- straightforward fighty. Mm-hmm. And season three is being released in two parts, so I've only seen the first five episodes. And it's fine. Whenever they do Witcher stuff, it's good. But then they do a lot of, like... What is Witcher stuff? Like, Witcher? He he hunts monsters and kills them. And that stuff's going on. Bangs witches, right? (laughs) I mean... Witcher? I don't even know her. I mean, like, I'm a sucker for uh, swords and, and magic mm-hmm. TV shows. I'll, I'll watch it, no matter what. And The Witcher is, you know, better than average, I would say. Mm-hmm. What's uh, average? Henry Cavill's cool. What's average? Is it better than that Lord of the Rings season, show? Xeno season, five at, season five Game of Thrones is average. Oh. Like, That's fair. Not, not season seven, which is bad, not season one right. which is good yeah. yeah season season five was the first the, the the first one where we started getting into the outside of the george r, r. martin material and they were like uh-oh yeah. <laughs> uh it's it's better than the lord of the rings it's wait, it's wait, better wait, than this the show better, better than, than the lord of the lord? rings show the the, the, the rings the rings of, of oh, power on amazon. Okay, okay, yeah. Okay, okay. amazon yeah it's probably better than than willow just because willow doesn't actually get anywhere like I liked watching Willow, and then it ended, and I was like, "Oh, you didn't, you didn't know what was going on, did you?" Yeah, you, yeah. You're like, and everything will be cooler in season two. Show canceled. Like, hmm. fuck. I kind of got the like impression it, it they were get... angling it for another one. They absolutely were, and it yeah ended up getting it canceled by doing that. Hmm. Like Willow wasn't bad; it just it didn't deliver anything at the end. And I was like, "Oh, done, man." Um, it's like Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> At least Cowboy Bebop got to end. The Cowboy Bebop Netflix series. Did either one of you finish it? Yeah, yeah, I watched yeah. it. All. Yeah, so I, I, it, I, I kind of liked it more and more as it went on. Yeah, until the even that moment at the end with Ed, which was pretty. pretty Ed, rough. Ed was certainly a problem, and I'm glad that one yeah. the one thing the cancellation did was avoid any more of that. that. But I mean, but yeah. they could have maybe fixed it. Like maybe that was a yeah. a backdoor pilot for Ed. <laughs> right. There was there was a way to change Ed to make it make it work and everybody would have told him to do it and they would have done it and it would have been fine. Yeah. I'm really disappointed. I really dug it and and Debbie and I even went all the way through that. We don't rarely we rarely get all the way through shows. Yeah. It, it, like I say I, I think it it was it was it was a, first of all apparently a very expensive show that the, it started a little bit weak and then it was canceled so fast. They were yeah like not gun shy whatsoever and i think they were just sort of like it was an expensive show and it didn't have the we the first couple weeks that we expected but then everybody i know who like put put through it was like it actually ends up kind of being like yeah. better in lots of ways than the anime like just 
characters developing a little bit more, the inter interrelationship between the characters is better developed. Yeah. Like, yeah. Hmm. what a shame. I felt I felt much more like I knew what was going on with the characters than I did in the anime. Even like three quarters of the way through, you, kind of everybody's a mystery, which is like a little fine in a noir. You want a bit of that, but like, yeah. just too much. Yeah. Shower bath, shower That's... man. Yeah, shower bath, shower. <laughs> Speaking of old animes, I watched Macross Plus last night. I like Macross Plus. Wow, it's the silliest. Oh, yeah. It's the silliest of the Macross. Last night, night before last. <laughs> pretty fucking silly. We're so test pilots. Pretty... And uh, singers. Pretty... No, no, no. It's pretty silly until you get into the whole AI as artists, and now it's like suddenly super prescient. Because hmm. mm-hmm. the whole thing with Sharon Apple, the AI singer mm-hmm. that is incomplete, and then the military using the AI <clears throat> to fly their ships. You're like, oh, that's not that science fiction anymore. I wonder if stealth holds up now. <laughs> Guys, do you remember stealth? The, stealth, the Jamie Foxx film? The Jamie Foxx movie? No. Yeah, it was like the AI bomber, and then they're just sort of like, oh no, the AI's gone evil. It downloaded all of the MP3s on the internet. It stole them all. It's <laughs> an actual <laughs> thing that happens in this movie. <laughs> It's complete dog shit. It's like a super contractual obligation film for like uh, both Jessica Biel and Jamie Foxx. They play like <laughs> pilots of this uh, like a, a test, a test stealth bomber or whatever that that is a, has an AI in it, and the AI turns evil because you know we are like we are very. Uh, <laughs> so what's wild about AI. Macros Plus is. The, the AI in the military isn't what turns evil. It's the AI pop singer that turns evil yeah. and infiltrates the military AI Correct. to try to, like, get her boyfriend. It's wild, it's wild to me that how much of our science fiction has been like, anyways, AI turns evil. And now we're like, here it is, the dawn of a new era, AI. And we're like, we've been writing about how the AI turns evil for, like, 40 years of speculative fiction. And now we're just sort of like, it's fine. Let's plug this AI into our banks. <laughs> just just let it read the entire works of Arthur Conan Doyle and say, mm-hmm. like, what would Moriarty do? What's going to happen? <laughs> Everything will be fine. It won't take over the Enterprise. That's okay. Oh, man. <clears throat> uh, I watched Renfield. Do, do we know what Renfield is? Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage, Nicholas Holt, uh, Aquafina. Aquafina plays the love interest cop. Super fun! Nicolas Cage's accent is all over the place, let me tell you. <laughs> there's there's some scenes that, are, again, are the most delightful in the film, where, like, when Renfield is, like, talking about, uh, like, serving his master for, like, since ancient times and stuff, and it's, like, the film cuts to the, like, the 4 by 3 aspect ratio, and it's, like, lit like the Bela Lugosi film, but it's, like, still Nicolas Cage, like, reenacting, like, some of the old Dracula movies, like... Like a like a like a um, like Christopher Lee, Bela Lugosi, all those all those guys, and it's just like him with like the eyes like lighten and like slowly moving down on like the dolly cam and all that stuff. It's those scenes are amazing. Uh, when we say when you said was it like a horror or not a horror? Unbelievably violent, like <laughs> so really? not necessarily horror, but like yeah, like so the deal is is that like Renfield has ghoul powers. They have a very dumb explanation for the fact that how he has ghoul powers is that because he has, like, Dracula's essence, he feeds off of bugs. 
instead of people. So if he can just yeah. eat bugs and he gets he gets a little like ghoul juice or whatever. But then when yeah. he has like his like super ghoul powers, he'll just like at one point he like just lops a guy's head off and it's like blood everywhere and just like rips their hands off, rips their arms off, like rips someone's arms off and like throws it like a spear like that pierces the chest of another guy. And you're just I was like, wow, that's a choice. <laughs> like I was like, it's I enjoy it. But I was like, this somehow makes the movie less accessible because it doesn't it doesn't need this. It doesn't really add anything to the movie. Like it could have been you could have made this exact movie and, and had it on like a PG thirteen and maybe had a little bit of a wider reach, because otherwise it's just like a silly yeah. film about like the guy Oh yeah, Ben Schwartz plays like the like the Weasley mobster. Also very funny. <laughs> like yeah, it's it's fine. It's I liked it. I was like, I'm I'm again I don't know how it did at the box office, but I was like, I'm glad movies like this can get made because it really, really felt like a movie that I would have been like, oh, cool, like picked it up at picked it up at a blockbuster, watched it on a on a weekend, and been like, man, that was dope, and then forgot it existed. But like, which Nicolas Cage showed up? All of them. <laughs> like, it's certainly like, and I think that that that's they just told him just go go nuts, you you're a vampire, mm-hmm. go crazy, and and he just went crazy at all times so it's like it is like the crazy nicholas cage but because he's supposed to just be in like insane dracula it's, it's fine it's like it's not like a bad hmm. nicholas cage okay. <laughs> like it, sometimes it, it goes it, a little a little too far it's just like you're like it's he doesn't crazy. get as crazy as like did you see color out of time and space i did i did yeah. i thought he he was like a little too far yeah, he goes too far in that work. like when he's like yelling yeah. at the kid or whatever and like yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly you're like oh man you went he was trying a little too hard yeah you, you, you went little... you turned it up to i mean nicholas's cage's knob goes to 11 right mm-hmm. just like motorhead he's like the motorhead of actors so and i think that yeah color out of time and space he went to 11 this is a, this is a solid nine on the nickometer okay. <laughs> And, and like I said, it's it's fine because he's playing a insane, an insane Dracula. Yeah, doesn't make it to the Mount Rushmore of Draculas though. He's not not great, but yeah, <clears throat> it is very fun to just like track his his accent because he clearly starts trying to do an accent and then he just kind of abandons it. But then sometimes when he gets mad, it sort of comes back. <laughs> like it's... But like mm-hmm. what what kind of accent does he do? Like Victorian. No, but like kind of like a Transylvanian, like I want to suck your blood, like that, like a, tr- a traditional old timey Dracula. He's like, "What is going on here?" But then at a certain point, he's like, "Why are you fucking with me?" <laughs> You're just like, "What is this? like who are pitch a thing?" Could could we digitally put him into the um, Francis Ford Coppola Dracula movie so he can have him acting like that across from um, Keanu Reeves trying to do a, a British, British accent? accent. <laughs> yeah, the worst the worst accent put to film. And Winona Ryder also is doing a terrible accident, in that, yes. right? Like yeah, also, she's, yeah, she's fucking it up. That movie's so crazy, right? Fifty percent incredibly amazing, and then fifty percent Winona Ryder. <laughs> Winona Ryder and Keanu Reeves just being dog shit, and then a third yes. act that lasts forever. Forever, <laughs> and you're just like what the fuck. Like I remember, what, I'm sure we we talked, we definitely talked about it on the show many times. Yeah. Like, but my the rewatch that I did for the show, where I was like watching about two thirds of the movie, and I was like, I don't remember why this movie had a bad like that bad of a rap. Like, sure, Keanu's shitty and Winona's like bad, and then I was like, oh right, there's forty five minutes of pure insanity coming along, mm-hmm. and that's the end of the film. Here it is. Ah, <laughs> uh, and then yeah, wrapping it up on the blackening. The blackening was great, super funny. Mm-hmm. I don't really. What's the blackening? I don't really know what to say about You don't know what the blackening is? Oh, the, yeah. the premise is great. So, you know how in horror movies, 
there's like a group of friends or a group of survivors and there's like the one black guy and you're just like mm-hmm. oh, that poor dude he's gonna mm-hmm. die yeah sam jackson in that shark movie is gonna get eaten mm-hmm. yeah no, the blackening no is just like it's it's a bunch of black people celebrating june th- juneteenth in the mm-hmm. uh, in a cabin in the woods so like the the, the tagline is like they can't all die first is like literally there in the title <laughs> Uh-huh. So yeah, a lot lot is, of is it fun? Yeah, super fun. A lot of social commentary, obviously. It's like all over the all over the place. There's a lot of a lot of stuff that plays to stereotypes in, in all directions. But like obviously being very tongue in cheek, being a being an all black cast, black writer, black uh, director, everybody else, like it's like they're they're taking the stereotypes and you're like throwing it in your face and twisting it or, or vice versa. Like it's uh it's very fun. It's just like a solid Solid, solid comedy horror film. Like I was like, yeah, this is this is fine. This is fun. I like it. I mm. I, I appreciate the premise of the fact that it it is like one of the oldest tropes of horror movies, mm-hmm. right? Sure. So they they had a, so there's like a trivia element in it. Like the, there's like a, a the, someone is kind of like trying to play a tri- an evil trivia game with them, and they're like name uh, name a horror movie where uh, the black character survives to the end. Night of the Living Dead. Mm-hmm. No, he doesn't make it. Yeah, he he does. doesn't make it to credits. They shoot him as soon as he comes out. Oh. That's that's the ending of the film. <laughs> yeah, he gets no. out of the building and the cops blow him away. That's a <laughs> heck of a thing. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was like, survive the monster. Yeah, survive the monster, but not the cops. <laughs> the monster I, was a. Yeah, I was like, the monsters were humans all for all. Yeah, yeah. It, I was like, it's cheating, but the first one that popped to my head is Get Out. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, but also I was like, does that count? Because like, <laughs> it's like, oh, um, House on Haunted Hill, House on Haunted Hill. Which what's yeah. the character? Which one? Uh, the, the the main dude, Tay Diggs, Tay survives till the end with Ali Larder. Ah, they they end up on the balcony on the, of the the house at the like the, the in the attic. They go out the front window and end on the, on the front ledge. There it is. It's rough. Yeah, it's rough. But yeah, I, I had to get out. But I mean, I guess it would have to, it would have to count. If it just says where the, where the black character survives to the end, because Daniel Kaluuya makes it out of Get Out. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Attack the Block? Attack the Block also, yeah. No. Although I would have a hard time remembering any of those characters' names. So if I had to like name the character or the actor, I'd be like, I don't know, the kids from Attack the Block. John Boyega. John Boyega from Star yeah, Wars. Does, does he make it? I think so, yeah. Because I was going to say, because they don't all make it, but just some of the they kids make it. Make it. So, <laughs> again, not sure. The evil mm-hmm. the evil board game might, you know, might kill me. If that's there. Uh, <laughs> the last pop culture thing is I went to go see the smallest Foo Fighter concert in the last 20 years. Oh, yeah, it was the secret uh, teeny well, tiny. Super last movie. minute thing. It's yeah. so, everything is so crazy about this show. So if you aren't aware... Uh, two weeks ago, the Foo Fighters... That's why there was no episode last week, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, like, two weeks ago, the Foo Fighters played the Verdun Auditorium. How this came about, we, we got the we got the inside track, actually, on this, because the senior booker from Avenco is on the Oshiaga podcast that just came out last week. So we were talking about this off-air, because it wasn't really about Oshiaga, and it was in the past. Uh, but everything that kind of came together about it, so... The Foo Fighters last played the Verdun Auditorium in 2003. 
And just in general, Dave Grohl likes Montreal. He has like a bunch of Montreal friends. He's also on like a like a per, first name personal kind of close basis with Nick Farkas from Avenco. Um, <clears throat> like like for they, like they've hung out outside of their work obligations kind of thing. Like just like Dave Grohl's come into town not on a tour and like hung out with Nick as an example to be like oh, I'm gonna gonna go visit him and stuff. Uh, so he they had booked their shows in Quebec City for the Festival de Québec and uh, for the Blues Fest in Ottawa. So they were like, okay, we're kind of we're in Canada around. So apparently about like two weeks before the date, called up Nick and was like, man, we played the Verdun Auditorium one time, and it was great. I want to do that again. Do you still do shows at the Verdun Auditorium? And Nick was like, no, we really don't. <laughs> like, but like... We could like for what you, we, we will. Yeah, exactly. But like, what are we talking about? The capacity is like thirty five hundred people, and like, Grohl was like, "Yeah, fucking, who cares?" <laughs> like, he's yeah. like, "I feel, I feel like playing, <laughs> I feel like playing in that tiny little Gunji Arena from twenty years ago just to to do it." Like, what was, what was the last big show there? Like, I, the Weezer Pixies played there, right? The two nights. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that's about twenty years back. Yeah, like, like, so apparently, like they said that they had not, Avenco had not, whatever. I don't think it was Avenco at the time. It was Gillette or whatever. But like the organization that went on to become Avenco, the last mm. shows they booked they were saying was 2003. They mentioned the Darkness was one of their last shows. It's so, like one of the mm-hmm. last like rock concerts that happened because it's also been kind of closed for renovations for a while too, right? So for a while now it's now it's the basketball yeah. stadium, the Alliance play there. Mm. So yeah, so because they're Avenco, they could just they were like. Let's get these speakers in. We have all these different speaker rigs and all this stuff because we're the outdoor concert folks and all that stuff. We could set this up pretty much on a real quick turnaround. Uh, sold the tickets out in like half a second. Seven seconds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Like, yeah, actual full final count was 3,700 people, which uh, we were saying like like throughout the show, like repeatedly, Grohl was like, "Can we turn the house lights up again?" He's like, "I have." He's like, "He's like, I literally cannot remember playing a show where I could see everybody." <laughs> like he's like like I was like I could see the back of the room and I can see the guy sitting in the back row, like and he's like I don't know when the last time I did this was <laughs> like right on which is like any surprise tunes not really I wouldn't say there was no, nothing they didn't like go deep in terms of surprise tunes they did play for like well over two and a half hours though like with no didn't and they were like yeah we don't leave the stage for an encore they're like yeah. we got nowhere to be they also mentioned that too they were like. We play a lot of festival sets and whatever that they have hard start and hard finish times. He's like, we don't have a finish time here tonight. He's like, I hope. He's like, we're not going. We're not going anywhere for a while. <laughs> like, he's like, this is, you know, usually we need to stop at eleven. You know, like that's because of like sound regulations and stuff. He's like, none of that. Uh, where we were standing, so we got there pretty early because Sarah had screwed up her foot. Uh, so we got like close to the stage, but all the way to the stage left. So we were sitting uh, right near where, speaking of Voivod, uh, most of Voivod was sitting because they're friends with Dave Grohl. Melissa Oftemeyer mm-hmm. was sitting there as well. Uh, he like kept walking over and like talking to them kind of in the set. And he was like, this is also kind of fun. He's like, usually my friends are either like backstage where I can't really see them or in a box a million miles away where I can't really see them. He's like, I do not know the last time I could be like, hey, my buddies, right there <laughs> in the stands. Like, this is awesome. Cool. 
Like, so they, yeah, they were having a, having a blast. It was a, uh, yeah, really super weird, super unique experience that I'm super happy to have been lucky enough to score a ticket. Like, the legit way, too. I just got in the line. Everybody else got the timeout. I was like, four tickets. They were after tax and fees, 160. That's fucking great. Like, what normal, the hell? Yeah, yeah that's normal yeah, arena normal shows. Price. Yeah, he obviously. I mean, I assume obviously he was joking. Who knows? <laughs> but he was just sort of like he's like, man, he's like, he's like, this is really fun. He's like, how about next time we come here, we only play this venue. Sure, we'll have to play here twenty nights. <laughs> 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 but like, we could do it. Foo Fighters gonna play this arena for a month. <laughs> and I was like, man, if they did that, that would be the greatest thing. I'm just gonna do a. A stand at the Verdun Auditorium, thirty five hundred people a night. Like, just a residency, like it's Vegas, but Montreal. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's it. Just because, yeah, Damn, so weird. And like I said, I, I assume nobody made money on this, right? Like, like, or then not to say did not make money, but like the amount of money that these guys can like could have were, made in an evening. Could have made in an evening. Like I said, they were the headliners yeah. at Festival d'Été. That was eighty thousand people. Mm-hmm. Right, so I'm sure their headliner paycheck, like even even if the Foo Fighters were getting like a hundred percent of the ticket revenue, is still I'm sure like pocket change compared to what they get as a headliner set at a big festival. And I'm sure like yeah, then apparently yeah they made it like absolutely. Yeah, but it, is it a shittier night? No, they had a great time. Yeah, hundred percent, they had a great time. Like that was I, right. They didn't they didn't have to eat in a trailer and. They got to go to that nice restaurant afterwards. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, cool. they, like, hey, hey, favorite song of the night? I want to hear about the music. Well, I mean, or is it, it just kind of like the usual Foo Fighters? Well, it, it's, they, they did go, like I said, they went all over the map in terms of their stuff. Obviously, like, how, how is it not Everlong? Like, I mean, my, my, my wife did walk down the aisle to Everlong. Did I, mm-hmm. like, it's like the song I sang in high school, my little crappy rock band. Sarah came down the aisle to it, all that stuff. And and that that alone, like, blew me away. It's been a song that has been, like, in my mind, one of the greatest love songs of all time. It just, like, and I've seen Foo Fighters a bunch of times. I never thought that I would be, like, 20 feet away from them while they got to see Everlog. Because I've always seen them at massive arenas or festivals or whatever else where you're like, oh, I can see them up on a screen as opposed to, like, there was no screen ever done auditorium. It was like, why would there be, right? It's a mm-hmm. tiny, tiny little thing. It was, yeah, it was crazy. Uh, like obviously the, the you know, like all the all the stuff off color in the shape is what I would want to hear. <laughs> yeah, like, mm-hmm. but they've had so many albums, and even like even the stuff that you don't know, they're all like I feel we've talked about it probably on the show because I'm sure they've had a number of albums that have come out since we've been recording this podcast <laughs> that are all like their worst. Like Ev came with us. And she was like, I don't know that much Foo Fighters. And she's like, wow, they're just, like, really good. I'm like, yeah, like, the worst Foo Fighters song is, like, a B? You know? Like, and I mean, and admittedly, I think the last couple albums have a lot of Bs. Like, I'm not saying they, they always are sending into, like, AA+, but you're like, they've never done a dud. Like, if it, the track comes on, like, Foo Fighters come on on the radio, I'm always like, and I'm never like, ugh, this garbage. It's is it it's not outstanding the way maybe like self titled and color in the shape is like absolutely it's a step down. Yeah. But it's still better than a lot of bands and the fact that they're like like I said, I, I could put on almost any Foo Fighters album and there's no track that I'm like, this track sucks. Or like I'm just like, okay, this is just all a really good rock album, which I guess 
Man, we were talking about just the amount of tragedy that follows that that guy around, <laughs> and 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 Pat Smear for that matter. If you're just like, well, you know, he's best friends with Kirk. He was best friend with Kurt Cobain. Now that that didn't go so well. Then you're like his other best friend in the band was Taylor Hawkins. That didn't go so well. If you're Pat Smear, you have both of those guys, and you were good friends with Darby Crash from the Germs, and that didn't go so well. Like. You're like, these guys have seen a lot of their friends either knowingly commit suicide or just overdose and, and die early. Like, mm-hmm. the fact that they're still just kind of, like, seem to just have a good time. The new drummer is also insanely good. Like, un believably talented. Like, mm. j- jaw-droppingly good. Like, and I've seen, like, the whole, like... Uh, like, I've seen Buddy Guy drum live and stuff. Like, I've seen, like, the, the classic drummer guys go i've seen a bunch of metal bands with insane drummers this guy like jesse freeze is ridiculous and can play all styles all the time keep up with the band drive the band like i like not no disrespect to the dead he is a significantly better drummer than taylor hawkins was like taylor Mm -hmm. hawkins absolutely was was the guy but like he wasn't even the best drummer in the foo fighters you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like th- this, <laughs> this guy seems to be like a better drummer than Dave Grohl is by like a pretty big margin. Also, so and that's actually saying something. Yeah, and that's actually saying something. Yeah, that's yeah. It, it's this guy's nuts. And then they played a little bit of Devo. So you know, because he was he was in Devo. Yeah, if you look at his music credentials, so he's been a studio musician cool. for a bunch of people. Which like if you look at his studio stuff, it's mm-hmm. it's crazy. Like he's been recorded on Michael Bublé and stuff. He's been a touring musician for a bunch of bands. Like he did, like he was a touring musician for Perfect Circle. He was a touring musician for Nine Inch Nails, uh, Weezer. I think he did. And then he's technically been a full member of Devo, The Vandals, and now Foo Fighters. Wow! So, it, like, his resume is just nonstop. Played drums at like at all levels for every single person, and then been like either a touring member or a full member of like just. A plus bands, hence why they were playing Whip It for a little bit. <laughs> right. They're just like as as they're introducing him, one of like uh like Shiflet or whatever on the guitar is like do 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 just like <laughs> I was like, boy, no one knows why why is this happening? And then like <laughs> Dave just runs up to the thing, he's like, Yeah, this motherfucker was in Devo. <laughs> <laughs> uh also great the great greatest bit of banter where he was like, Who was here twenty years ago when we played here in two thousand three? And there's like Smattering of cheers, and he's like, "Okay, Dad." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, pretty old, old crowd. Obviously, I feel that you're like, "Oh yeah, the like," because the self-titled came out '94, right? It came out right because technically right he recorded the 1994. Yes, '94. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Because he recorded the self-titled while he was still in Nirvana. Like it was like pre. He'd done he did the whole recording mm-hmm. like before, before Nirvana ended. So yeah, so ninety four, like that's a. It's it came a, out the same year as Muddy Banks of the Wishka. Okay. Which ninety four? Because ninety three was uh, unplugged. Oh okay, so yeah, so yeah, that's crazy. That to me, this is a thirty year old band. Yeah. This is, it's a, and it's like the new band, you know, I mean, Dave Grohl's new band. That's what big rock stars do, though. Beach Boys keep touring. Rolling Stones keep touring. 
But these uh, and but that's what I will say is that this was not just like the hits, right? Like they're playing stuff like they're playing the album that is just they just brought out another album, right? Like they yeah. like Sonic Highways was an older album, but that only came out a couple of years ago. That and that had some good tracks on it. Like they're still making music and they're still playing music. They don't, they're not just they haven't just become a Foo Fighters cover band where <laughs> they're they're only playing, you know, the first three albums. It's like they play stuff off their entire catalog in like pretty equal equal amounts whereas apparently when you go see the rolling stones it's just here's the music from the 60s like i feel the rolling stone 30 years into the rolling stones career i feel they were already a rolling stones cover band right like when we were kids no. and they were in like the rolling stones in the 90s absolutely yeah, no. they were they were still cutting albums and dropping singles there's we're still making music videos that were getting big mtv play but when you went to go see their show they played the one radio song they weren't playing multiple things off the new did album. you see them a lot I, I went to see them their their IMAX show, like not not them live, and I mean they weren't just playing like Satisfaction and and Brown Sugar like they were playing all this stuff through the eighties and into the nineties. We're gonna un- listen. But same thing, same thing. Like I saw Pink Floyd and they were playing Division Bells stuff. I wrote right, the like Rolling the- Stones as an item that we talked about on the show, but no, I should probably write the Foo Fighters. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna see, I'm gonna call it now. I'm gonna stop this recording. This has been 90s, but on garbage time, we're gonna look up a Rolling Stone set list from the 1990s. Yeah, we're sure. Gonna, yeah, we're gonna dig into that. Uh, Hi. Thanks for sticking around to the very end of this show. That means you're our number one fan. As our number one fan, maybe you're wondering a way that you can show your support for this. We've set up a few ways, and the boys are going to tell you about it now. If you like this show, you might know other people that like this show, or maybe they'll like some of the other stuff that we're doing on the website. If that's the case, you can tell them all about it using all of the social networks, like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're on all of those. Or you could just you know, send people links directly to the website. Or if you live in a world without the internet and you only listen to podcasts, you can tell people about it with your human mouth. There's other ways we could support us, John. If your interest in supporting us extends to the financial section, you might consider patreon.com slash 9to5cc. If you go there, you can get perks like early content, you can get your questions answered on the air, and you can get extra art. We've been doing this show for a long time, so we kind of know what we're doing. Not really. 905.cc. <laughs> Podcast, blogs, and comics. Made in Montreal since 2011.